Hi, and welcome to the research room, a space to make research by the people for the people. And today I'm going to do another episode of Falsifiable Fridays, and uh, we are going to finish off our month of talking about uh, women's rights, sexism, um, all the misogynistic, misogynistic things that happen in society. Um, this is going to be no different. Um, so for today, <clears throat> what I want to do is I want to go through a few different numbers and I want to get your sense on some things. Um, there are roughly 330 million people in America. Um, there are also roughly 19 million college students in America. What percent of sexually transmitted infections do you think come from this college-aged group? I'll let you think about that for a little bit. Is it proportional to the amount that they are in, in the population? 3%, 10%, maybe 20%? Maybe 40%. Well, um, unfortunately, um, it's roughly 50%. 50% of transmitted cases come from this college population. And so that seems like a pretty big problem that we need to address. Why do you think that happens? Why do you think it's so high in this population? I'm sure there are, there are probably some things that come to mind pretty readily. <laughs> I think I'm going to talk about some that you maybe don't think about. Um, and of course, I mean, this, that's not to say that like this is necessarily more or less important than some of the ones that you might be thinking of, but it's still a factor that we should be considering. And if we really do want to like work on this problem, then we should think about the whole picture of things rather than only one component. So um, before I get onto why this might be happening, I do want to talk about um, rates by racial ethnic background. And so I'll start with um, saying um, the rates, and I'll, I'll choose chlamydium, um, one of the most prevalent um, things that are spread. Uh, when it comes to um, people that are white, the rate is um, about 1,899 uh, per 100,000. So you can roughly say like 0.02%. Um, so that's a rate. What does that mean? You don't really know until you can start comparing it to other racial ethnic backgrounds. Um, so I think one thing that happens is that um, for basically every other group of color, it's going to be higher. So when it comes to um, people that are Hispanic, it is roughly double that amount. When it comes to people that um, are native or indigenous, it's slightly more than double that amount at uh, 0.05. 
when it comes to um, uh, people who are Hawaiian and Pacific Islander, it is slightly more than that. It's at um, 0 0.06. Then when it goes to people that are Black, that is roughly uh, four times as high. And that is at 0 0.07. So uh, the only group for which it is less uh, that is for people that are Asian. And even within that, like for all of these, right? Like there's so much more diversity um, to look into when it comes to all of these uh, backgrounds. But um, as, a, as a whole, Asians uh, are less and they are roughly half the amount at 0 0.09 or 0 0.009. So, we can start to see that like it's it's uh, these transmission rates, they're affecting um, certain groups more than others. And so that might start to point you in a direction of like, okay, so what are some unique features of some of these um, other groups? You also get like the same kind of like story when it comes to um, HIV um, tra transmission as well, um, where rates are roughly double um, in uh, black communities rather than in white communities. And so again, you have to start to think about like, why, why is this happening, right? And so one idea is that um, when you are a person of color, you are also going to be more likely to experience racism. Uh, I mean, as a person of color, you, that is the only group that could potentially have racism, um, have perceived racism. And so um, some of the numbers that are associated with that are that uh, people that are Black, uh, um, in this survey at least, 75% of people um, had some sort of experienced racism. 60% of um, people that are Asian, 50% for uh, people that are Hispanic, 55% for those that are native and 72% for those that are Pacific Islander. And so these are pretty high numbers, right? Um, but then we can also add another layer to this, which is specifically for women of color. So it's one thing for anyone to experience racism. It's another thing to be both a woman and uh, someone that also experiences racism. It is inherently different uh, for a woman to uh, experience racism than for a man to experience racism. Of course, commonalities, but um, there are plenty of differences in that um, lived experience. So um, on top of racism, there's also sexism. And so roughly half, um, uh, at least in again in the survey, um, half of the women in this case um, experience some sort of sexism, at least in the workplace. And that's only in the workplace, right? Like, hopefully, that's a place that like you would be able to think that like you're safe uh, from these kinds of things, let alone the rest of the world. But um, it, it definitely happens, right? So we can start to see that like there's there's all these like other factors that come on with the ways that we have to live our lives. And because of that, these things might be um, potentially influencing, or at least the, at the very least, they do relate to some degree 
these um, these ideas of like why we would transmit um, STIs. And so um, I, I want to like sit back and like really think about like why why would that be the case, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna be <laughs> coming back to that question quite a bit throughout this whole episode. Why why could these things even be related? And so you start to think about like the age group in which we are looking at college-age students and thinking about racism and sexism. And any kind of like thing that is happening could potentially like influence the ways in which they are interacting with other people. And that goes on like multiple levels, right? For just regular friendships and conversations all the way down to like very intimate things like sexual intercourse. And so um, what the study found that I'm going to be talking about today is that, yes, there is actually a relationship between racism, sexism, and um, sexual well-being is what they call it here. So sexual well-being is two separate things. One is um, sexual satisfaction. And again, these are for um, women of color in particular. So um, everything that I'm saying here today is um, particularly about women of color. So it does relate to sexual um, uh, well-being. <clears throat> and first, it, it relates to um, how satisfying their sex lives are. Um, that warrants a whole um, episode on itself. Um, but I want to focus on, and I, I guess I didn't say this, um, it is negatively related. So people uh, and women that are um, experiencing racism and sexism tend to have less satisfying sex lives. I'll let you hold on to that finding, do what you want with it, because um, I want to move on to the um, the other part of this, which is um, the health kind of aspect, the physical health aspect of this. And that is that those that um, experience um, racism and sexism tend to also be the same people that um, have less um, condom use self-efficacy. So that is a mouthful, right? Um, but all that means is that people um, are less like comfortable um, like thinking through how to use condoms and should they be using condoms and things like that in the moment. Their self-efficacy when it comes to condom use is lower when they are also people that are experiencing racism or sexism. And so if they are less comfortable with all of that, if they're not able to like assert themselves and like use it properly and all that, you're less likely to use a condom. And so that, um, of course, if you're less likely to use a condom, you're more likely to transmit um, SEIs. And so um, there is that kind of aspect. And so all of that is like, okay, cool, great, right? Um, there's this relationship between these, these things, but like, why? Why would there be a relationship between these things? And so the, the study itself, they only look at one factor, there's plenty of reasons for why it could happen. It could be like, I mean, if you're someone who's experiencing racism, then you might just be more stressed out. And then the ways in which you're thinking when you are um, trying to be intimate might not be like at the level that it needs to be to be fully present um, and thinking about like condom use and things like that. There could be like plenty of other things um, when it comes to this, uh, like just the whole idea that like if you if you're being um, marginalized in, in in certain ways in your life, you might feel the need to like really um, be better in other parts of your life, and so 
when it comes to this, like there's, there's other findings in psychology of people that engage in more like risky sex behaviors. That would be people that um, are like, that tend to be like very anxious in relationships, right? They think that um, maybe they're not worthy enough. Maybe they think that their partner isn't into them. And so they might engage in these more risky kind of sex behaviors, not using condoms uh, as one of those things. And so that kind of idea could also translate here, right? That potentially women that are experiencing racism and sexism just feel a little less um, like worthy. And so they want to get that um, from these, these interactions. And they might think that, oh, like if we don't use condoms, that means I'm closer to this person. Um, they might actually like truly like me. And that's not at all to say anything about the women in this case. That's much more to say about like the circumstances in which these things happen and what we think in society, uh, what we think of like this idea that things have to be tailored to men, um, that th because I do this, that for some reason that they're gonna like me more, that we're gonna be closer. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many things that it could potentially be, right, um, for, as to why. Um, the one that this research paper actually um, looks into is this idea of sexual autonomy. And so this idea, sort of um, similar to some of the things I'm saying, but um, definitely distinct in the sense that um, sexual autonomy is just how much do you feel like you have control in these situations? How much control do you think you have um, during sex? Are you able to voice um, your, your opinions on, on things? Are you able to speak to your partner? Um, do you feel like you're doing things that like you actually want to do? And so in this case, the finding is that the more perceived racism that there is, the less sexual autonomy that people tend to feel, and also the less that they're going to be um, feeling self-efficacious with condom use. So that, that whole idea that there's this cascade kind of effect from, from uh, racism, that um, it um, people that experience this are also people that experience lower autonomy and lower um, self-efficacy. So with that, that's the, that's the finding here. Why? <laughs> and I'm going to repeat this again and again. Why? Why is that the case? Um, and I, I think that we, we really do have to keep in mind that this, this study does not say and it's definitely not saying that racism causes lower um, uh, sexual autonomy. It is not saying that racism causes less um, economy self-efficacy. It's not saying that. We want to say that. It would be so much easier if we could say that, but it's not actually saying that. It's just saying that these things all coincide with each other. It could happen in any order, potentially. And we, we can have some thoughts on like what the ordering is, but we don't have the support for what the actual order of these variables are. It would make sense that um, racism would be the first thing that comes and then a lowered um, sexual autonomy, and then also then a lowered um, economy self-efficacy. Um, self it could also happen in other ways. Um, you could think that potentially people that just feel less sexually autonomous 
might also be people that are like just feeling less autonomous in other parts of their lives. And uh, maybe for some reason, racists can like smell that out and they might target certain people. There's something about the way that they are presenting themselves that feels like, oh, I can judge this person in a very negative, critical kind of way on no real basis. So you can see that like it could potentially go in other ways, but um, we'll, we'll think of it as racism coming first. Um, we would have to wait for other studies to come out before really saying if that's the case. Another potential is that <clears throat> it could be something else that's like affecting both of these things, right? So um, in this case, we could think about stress. Stress could really change a lot, <laughs> a lot of... Um, a lot of things in life, right? Um, it could change even just simply the way that you are perceiving racism. The more stressed out that you are, the more um, aware and attuned you might be on some of the like microaggressions that are out there, or maybe even just the very explicit ways in which um, people are actually discriminating against you based on the color of your skin. Stress could also change your autonomy. If you are feeling very stressed out, maybe you just don't feel like you are in control of your situation. If you're stressed out, that might also change how self-efficacious you feel when it comes to economies. You can see that there's something else that could just be affecting everything rather than it's really racism that's causing everything. We would need more work in order to like really see that. At this point, it's up to you um, to really think through like maybe in your own life and uh, other people's lives that are close to you what makes the most sense. And it's just something that you can do about it depending on the ordering of these things. If it's really racism, what do you do about that? I mean, we wanna make for a less racist world, but how much control do you have over that? I mean, you have, you have some control for sure. There's larger societal things though that happen there. So, this is just to underline the point that we don't know the order just yet, but it, it's fair to think through it in multiple different ways at this point. Just know that these things are all related at the very least. <clears throat> okay, so then why, again, why? Why is this happening? Why, why is it really the case that these things are related? How much do you buy that it's this thing of sexual autonomy? Is it something else? Is it just general autonomy, right? Is it something about um, when someone is discriminating against you, you, you feel like your power in general is just sort of like diminished. That in one way might come out in sexual intercourse, that might come out in other things, right? Your autonomy in other parts of your life. You're feeling under control um, by, by the discrimination, by the perceived racism. So it could be that, um, we don't know. It could all be these other things of like self-worth potentially that you just don't feel like you are as worthy that your people around you and your society is telling you that you are not worthy, that you are different, that you just don't belong, that you're not smart enough, all of that. That might especially be the case when it comes to women that are experiencing racism because of the intersectionality of things that women are already facing other pressures 
um, and other ways in which they are pushed out of certain majors or even just like literally attending college. Um, and then on top of that, there's this racist uh, kind of um, aspect. So having both those things that could potentially wear at someone's self-worth and the, engage, uh, the behaviors that they engage in because of that potentially could lead down this kind of like road. So why else? Why else could it be? Um, I, I think it's, it's an open question right now. One thing is sexual autonomy, yes. Could be many other reasons for which this uh, racism indirectly relates to um, less uh, economy self-efficacy. The last thing I wanna point out here is that um, this study does not end up looking at um, at each individual racial ethnic background. It kind of lumps together women of color as one group. Uh, it's important to not do that. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's good information, of course, that this happened, great, we know this, but we need to do this better. We need to look at this across different um, racial ethnic backgrounds and really see what's happening, right? Um, racism is going to affect different groups to different levels. Literally because of just the, the frequency at which it happens, it's more often uh, gonna happen to certain groups rather than others. Also the severity of it. Um, also just the, the timing in, in society and the world, right? Different groups get targeted um, more strongly, uh, depending on what else is happening in society, which is insane to like have to say out loud, but like it is the truth, right? So we have to look at this at, at a different level on, on these multiple levels of uh, people's actual backgrounds, not just to say that there's a one common experience that all women of color experience, that is definitely not the case. So other reasons why this might end up affecting different racial ethnic backgrounds differently. Um, you could also just think about like, especially when it comes to like sex, the ways in which society uh, might make a fetish out of certain um, ethnic backgrounds. And also, I mean, this goes both ways for like so many different ethnic uh, backgrounds um, that, people might find certain groups more attractive. Attractive People might also find those same exact groups less attractive. The crazy ways in which society works and works its way into like making people think certain things. That's also gonna have like a profound impact here, I think. Then you can also think about like just the um, support networks that are out there. It depends on where in the US you are. Are you in a place that is generally, um, you have diversity, you have people that also look like you? Maybe that is to share your experiences. Maybe that's also to just like um, know that you have support from people that care. They care about your specific um, circumstances. They won't uh, diminish your experiences. Do you have that around you? That's going to depend. It's going to depend on where in the US you are. Are you actually alone or can people empathize with you? 
And that's never to say that like, okay, like that's the component that we need to be caring about the most. It is a component. The bigger thing to intervene on is like to stop racism. But like in the meantime, you still have to be like supportive, connected people. And so thinking how much of a factor is that? How much more can that potentially um, maybe make people feel sexually autonomous still and keep their um, economy self-efficacy high? When you have the supportive network, it's much more likely. Unfortunately, that's not going to be the case for everyone. So I mentioned all these things, um, and I, I am curious, like, to what degree do you still believe the original finding? Does it still stand? Does it change? Is it completely like wiped out by the things that they say? I mean, personally, I don't think they, they are. I think that this finding would stand. But I think there's so many other considerations that we need to be thinking about. So with that, um, I, I'll end this episode. Uh, I think there's, there's a lot to think through here when it comes to this. Um, but even something that like you might not ever think to, to connect, right? Racism and sexual autonomy, condom use. There's ways in which these things will relate. And so we, we do have to keep in mind the bigger picture when it comes to these things. And so, uh, yeah, that is, that's going to be it for today. Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your time uh, and, and listening to this. Um, we're going to move on to a different topic for the next month. Um, we're going to be talking about memory. There's a lot of things that come with memory as well, right? But um, that's, that's, that's going to be coming up uh, in the next few weeks. So until next time, um, feel free to check out the website, roomforresearch.com you can get more information on any of this any of the other things i've done uh, on on uh equal rights when it comes to gender especially and then um also social media um at room for research if you want to look us up there till next time bye for now with the sun breeze.